100. Do you know what that means? Uh, it's a number. Yes, but this is our 100th upload. That is insane to me. That is a, yeah, it's a big one. No. Yeah, because like we kind of like, I wouldn't say it's our 100th episode. That will probably be next one. But this is our 100th upload because we had a little intro first. I'm going to count it as 100 episodes. Even if the first first episode is an intro, it's still an episode. (laughs) But yeah, it's crazy. We're 100 episodes pretty much in a year. Um, We're just around our first little baby year. Um, But yeah. yeah. Math adds up. Anyway, today uh, we're going to be talking about a word Laura can't say. Oh wow! I thought you There's were gonna try. A lot. I thought you were gonna try it there. So we're no, gonna be talking about. No, but that's. I was about to say that you'd have There's to narrow it down for everybody. That's a lot of words I can't say. So today we're gonna be talking about comorbidities. Um, if you didn't catch our episode with Jess, she is part of the education for PTAs, and we just interviewed her in our past episodes. So be sure to check mm-hmm. those out. Um, big thank so you to good. her. And we def- yeah we definitely enjoyed interviewing her. It's a blast. We um, enjoy everybody. That's our problem. <laughs> That is our problem. They always go so well, That's long. why they go so long, because we enjoy talking to all of them. But during that interview, uh, one of the topics was comorbidities and how to handle them for PTAs. And even though we get the tools, we don't really apply them as much in the program. So yeah. today we're going to talk about some instances. Uh, I think we have two patients why? each, two for me, two for Laura, and then just kind of how we handle them and some things to keep in mind when treating this patient population but again we just want to say thank you for joining us for our 100 episode so let's go ahead and let's get into it let's go you're listening to the pt assistance podcast with your hosts ken and laura thanks for joining for another exciting episode so it was really funny before this me and ken played a game where we had to try to think alike it, it was a little dicey in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. But we mainly, did it. <laughs> Yes, but mainly because I didn't listen to the full rules first. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. You wanted well, we a demonstration, actually... and then you cut the demonstration off and said you had it. So I thought <laughs> well, you had Well, I didn't know there was more to the demonstration. And you told me you didn't understand. And I'm like, I, never mind. <laughs> but either way, it was pretty funny, though. Uh, actually, I would say we got it pretty quick once we did it correctly. Like, I knew what we were basing off of. Um so it was definitely entertaining uh, and not too bad. We got we got it pretty quickly in three well, tries. I think we said that we might as well tell them what the game is. Oh, yeah. Might as well. It's fine. Um, so both of us will say one word. Are we going to try again? Here. No, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> uh, so it just has to be an object or a noun of some sort. Can't be proper noun. No places or names and things like that. So both of us will say something. And then we build on it to try to get to the point where we're saying the same word. He so did not tell me the build on it part the first time around. Well, I sent you the demonstration, Laura. <laughs> I didn't have to tell you because I sent you the instructions. So we did what we what do we do? Plant, plant in office. No, it was plant in headphones. So plant in headphones, and then on the second round we said music in office, mm-hmm. and on the third round we said work. Yep. So not too far for us to get it. And you have to say it at the exact same time. We did as a a wavelength uh, exercise to see if we're thinking the same. 
But it's what's interesting is, you know, as much as you think the same sometimes and how you can get there and you can walk through it, um, it's not always like that in the clinic, though, sometimes. So um, what you might think is great for one patient, someone else might think it's not um, great. And And that kind of leads into today's topic just a little bit. Um, We are talking about patients that have multiple core mobility. I can't even talk. Comorbidities. Thank you. Um, and also, kind the of reason like, why this came up was, well, we just had our interview with Jess where we talked about the program and the P- and PTAs yeah. and all whatnot. And one thing that they don't really touch on in school is this comorbidities topic. So oh, yeah. that's another reason we're we, during the program, you get taught, this is this diagnosis, this is di- this diagnosis, this is how you treat this, this is how you treat that. But what happens in the real world, because it's not always like that, is you're treating them for a certain diagnosis, but they might have other things going on, which you're not going to address, but you need to be aware of them. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like some of them cross into each other. For a perfect example, we have someone currently who's diagnosed with Parkinson's. And she came in because she fractured her femur and had a rod put in but she's there because of the rod in her lower extremity but there's so much of her parkinson's that play part in what she's able to like how she's getting back to walking and all these other things and so it's kind of one of those things where it's like you have to work together to figure out what's going to be the best situation for these and they're not going to be just straightforward and it's like okay how do we work on certain things that technically play a factor, but maybe not play a factor in it too of what they're there for. If that makes I would sense. Say the, the big thing too is the safety overall. So the reason why I'm coming across this so often at my clinic right now is because we're still working on our credentialing. It's we're moving forward. We're, we have more insurances, which is great, but we're still very heavy on the lean side of things. Um, if you're not sure what a lean is, it's just when an attorney is evolved, um, whether it, it was a car accident or a slip and fall, the attorney refers them to us or the doctor refers them to us. Yeah, so because usually of a lawsuit, that, pretty much. So because of that, we have a couple patients right now, actually. One is uh, an MVA for knee, back, and neck pain, but he also has seizures. And then we have another patient, um, same thing, car accident, has neck and back pain. And also has fibro. Mm-hmm. So the seizures and the fibro, we're not addressing any of that. But yeah. we have to keep in mind that they also have those conditions. So I still need to be aware of that when I go through their exercises, do their treatment and everything that we're doing just so that we can give them a safe, effective treatment. Yep. And then for me, what I've got right now going on is I told you about the lady with the Parkinson's. We're not technically addressing that. Um, but it plays a massive factor in the way she is learning to when we do gait training and ambulation and how her exercises go in general because, she, you know, she's not going to move smoothly. Um, you know, she, she's got some other stuff going on. And so it plays a factor in her actual recovery. And we can kind of address two for one in a way. Um, And then we also have a patient, again, this will kind of come up, we'll kind of dive deeper into both of our different situations, but like we also have a patient right now who came in 
and he has a history of um, strokes and um, he's currently coming in to see us because he recently had lumbar surgery and technically we're supposed to be addressing the lumbar surgery, but this guy is currently bed bound and cognitively not all there. And we think he'd be better off in a neuro clinic, but our neuro clinic won't take him because he's referred because it's ortho. And so it's kind of like, all right, well, how, what do you do now? Because really what you need to do to address like the back, you can't do because of the fact that he's got all these other issues going on. So um, we'll kind of dive in, I think, a little bit to that towards more towards the end. But let's go ahead and dive into your safety one a little bit more first, Ken, and kind of talk about like what what are things you look out for? What are some of the stuff that you would recommend with people who are dealing with multiple things like that, but at the same time, almost like want to address it? Because there's multiple times we have patients come in who say, hey, this is what I'm here for, but I've got this too, and I want this like fixed too. And you're like, uh. Yeah. So like if they don't have the referral, we can't address yeah. anything else. Like That's a doctor's script that we treat, whatever that says. But what if, it, for example, they came in in their whiplash, but they have a history of chronic headaches? I mean, that kind of might work a little more uh, in hand-in-hand yeah. hand, mm-hmm. um, versus a low back pain and seizure. Yeah. No, well. But yeah, if they're more closely related, it, it, you got a little gray area you can work with. You do. You have to be a little wise on how you do it and how you say you're doing certain things. Because, again, you could do... An exercise that's for multiple things, but, you know, they uh, cover. You could say, what? what's the word I'm looking for? You could say that it's geared towards this, which really you're doing it for both. Um, but safety-wise, like, what would you say are the biggest, like, concerns when you have someone with multiple issues going on? And technically, uh, so you're I'll not take, there to address them. I'll take the... So, I've had two patients that have a history of seizures um, before we get into the whole fibro because fibro is a whole nother beast. Uh, so seizures, one was when I just graduated. Uh, I was still working under my graduate license and I had a patient that we were working on balance, but they have a history of seizures. And then now it's the MBA with the history of seizures. But the thing is, is their seizures can range. So first is being aware of the condition and to like what extent. Mm-hmm. So in seizures, you have different levels of the types of seizures you can have, um, ranging from just absentee like seizures where they're just kind of blank out for a second all the way up to their grand malls and the more severe ones. So knowing how often it happens, uh, what the triggers are, and after that, if I'm doing the MBA for the back and knee pain, a lot of the exercises are going to be seated. If I do transfer them to another more equipment or to a different table. I walk with them, always stand next to them just to make sure that if they have an episode, I'm right there with them. And for the balance, I mean, I'm going to be there the whole time anyways. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it is just the awareness, knowing to what extent, trying to do more seated if you can to avoid those falls in the clinic. When it came to the balance patient, I couldn't do that because we have to be standing to work on their balance. But 
if you can work on some strengthening things on a table, at least that's a safer environment for them. Yeah, no, it definitely is true. Like, it's it's a hard balance in a way, though, too. Like, I will say is like, for example, the people who have seizures or have some of these it, fall risk or anything like that, like they're going out and about in the world independently a lot of the times too and so um you know they're walking around they're not always having someone with them so i will say like you you want to be mindful of that because if you kind of almost hover over them too much in a way they can some some i'm not saying all but some can get a little bit like i don't not like weirded out but what's the word i'm looking for like they just don't like it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's the best way of putting it. They just don't like it. They feel like you're almost babying, babying them more than they need to be and that the, you don't almost trust like them um, in some I feel cases. Like that, yeah, a lot of that just comes with balance. You, yeah. know, you, you don't really want to like hover over them, but you mm-hmm. still need to like the biggest thing is just their safety. Yeah. So even if they do feel like you're babying them and you don't feel like you are, you're just trying to keep them safe. That still takes the priority. Exactly. So and I think it's to understand that you're there to help them get better and yeah. you don't want to see an accident happen because you were either too far away or they were just getting frustrated that you were so close to them. Yeah, I think the big thing there is the communication aspect. Like you said, um, you you want them to be aware that it's for their safety. And then I'd even say it's like, hey, like. I know you're out and about on your own, but as you transfer from one to another, just for your safety and also the safety of like myself and people around, you know, we're here just to be an extra hand if something did trigger it because it's maybe a little more stressful environment or, you know, your body's under a little more stress. You never know what can happen with things like that. Um, So I think just communicating with them and then usually if you let them know like, hey, it's also because of the fact that I don't want to do more paperwork. You kind of make a little, sometimes a little like. I say that all the time. All the time. All, all the patients the time. will be like, I'm tired. I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, no, please don't. I don't want to do more paperwork. <laughs> or they're like, you know, they're like, I got this. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you do. And if you fall, then it's more paperwork for me. And I don't feel like you want. Like, yeah, I do all the You kind of like, you know, a little bit of just like, again, read the person's personality. There's certain patients I'll never do that, say that with. But a lot of them I can jostle around um, with it. And a lot of them understand it. Like, it's just for the safety of them. It's the safety of the clinic around. Because, again, if they go down and say they take another patient down with them, um, if they're close enough, you don't know if that could happen in a busier clinic. It might. Um, they might hit equipment. Um, they might trip you up. Who who really knows? And so it's just for the safety of everybody, including themselves. And I think the big thing is that communication um, that's the biggest thing. Now let's, you want to touch a little bit on fibro? Uh, yeah, I can do fibro real quick before you do yours. Yeah. Um, so fibro, this is, th- that's been more of an ongoing thing since I was a tech going to school and now PTA where patients come in for either neck pain, back pain, and then they're also diagnosed with fibro. And the hard thing with fibro is that they're already in pain. So it's hard to contribute onto whether or not the pain is coming from the fibro or it's coming from the car accident or whatever they're in for. Mm -hmm. So you have to find 
a good balance of whether it's manual skills and exercise. So you're not flaring them up to a point where they can't do anything. So again, a lot of that just comes down to communication, talking to the patient. Are they are currently going to a flare up? Does everything hurt? Um, after each exercise, check in with them, see if they're doing okay before moving on to the next one. Cause if you're just kind of gung ho and perform all the activities, all of a sudden they're flared up and they're probably not going to come back. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, is like fibro, like I honestly, I've seen quite a few even just come in because of fibro and it is hard to treat because honestly, so many people respond so differently. Um, I had a patient who pressure set them off like no tomorrow. And I had another patient who deep pressure was the only thing that felt like actually had that happened to me too. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, you're I like, you one. never know what you're going to get. <laughs> but uh, the patient also didn't know. So like at first we were doing a lot of light pressure mm-hmm. and over time she would come in saying she was flared up, flared up. One time we did deep pressure and she's like, Oh, that like it hurt, but it was the good kind of hurt. Like that hurts yeah. so good. So after that, we started doing deep pressure and she was fine. So it's it's so it, weird. Sometimes it's, the patients don't even know what can really trigger them. They, they just yeah. know it's everything hurts or it doesn't. And so it's definitely tough. And it's something to keep in mind because the thing, too, is like you said, the exercises might have to be adapted. They might be able to do like these more strenuous stuff, but they can't tolerate that many reps. Um, so there's just so many different things that like might need to be tweaked or changed. And that's the big thing is like. You know, again, we we get told in school, like, hey, this is what you do for X, Y, and Z. But really, that's not going to be just straightforward. It's not as cut and dry as... Yeah. I'm not saying school makes it seem like that. But what school is doing is they give you all the tools that you need. And for you, it's your job to combine them if you need to. Or mm-hmm. be aware of the contraindications for one thing that's okay for another. Yeah. So they give you it's, everything. Now it's up to your critical thinking and your judgment to be able to apply them in the clinic. And again, yeah. that's what makes our field skilled. Yeah. I th- I do wish in school that they would teach you better on how to merge them a little bit better. Um, that was at least in my school. At my time, I felt like it was just two very separate things in a way. And so I do wish that they, they did teach you a little bit more of that critical thinking of like, hey... This is how you can kind of get around this and this, or this is how you would kind of get around this or this um, of things to be thinking with. Now, the other thing is, um, for example, my patients, where we do have two things right now currently that kind of can go hand in hand with each other. And that's where sometimes it might work out a little bit in your favor, Um that they kind of go next to each other, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. So for example, with my person that has Parkinson's right now, um, Ken's making me, sorry guys, Ken's totally making me lose my track of thought right now because he picked up Duncan and is literally flopping his arm to make him wave at me. That's a little derpy face. <laughs> well, he too. started barking, so I figured he wanted some attention. He wanted Duncan, to get into the, conversa- into the conversation. Do you have a, do you have Duncan? Do you have a, a comment? No, but I sniff and sniff into the mic, (laughs) but like it's definitely ones where you can, okay, like, Hey, I can kind of better this person's life with this and this I can, it works for both. And so like, for example, with our patient right now with the, the rod and Parkinson's, some of the stuff that she's 
limited on is not even so much of the reason she's in, but because of the Parkinson's, the actual disease. And so we have to educate them on that too. Like, for example, they recently just came back from a a Parkinson's um, kind of like gathering or awareness event. Yeah, that's the best way of putting it. And they had a keynote speaker. And the speaker was talking about like how the best thing for Parkinson's is you walking over, uh, I think they said like, this was ridiculous. It, was, it felt or it felt like a lot. How many steps is a lot? Is 10,000 a lot a day or a thousand Well, 10,000 is how much you're supposed to walk a day. Yeah. But it okay, is a so 10,000. It feels like a lot. But it's really when you look at it. It is a lot. <laughs> but so they said that's like one of the best things to do is to get 10,000 steps in a day. Um, and that's the best way to help Parkinson's and he was going gun ho on it. And so they came back and they're like, she's like, I'm not walking 10,000. I need to be walking 10,000. And I'm like, you had a femur fracture. You now have a rod. You're just now coming back from that. You're not going to get 10,000 and you're, you, you're walking so much better now, but you're not going to get 10,000 steps in. And so like, you have to like educate them along with the disease that they have and then the progress of what they're currently actually in for too. No, and I um, agree. I feel like that education, yeah. which I'm surprised it hasn't come up already or that we haven't mentioned it, but I know. education is a big part. Like communication mm-hmm. is a big part. And that's kind of what I touched on the most, I feel like. But education on the patients have to letting them know as to why we're doing what we're doing. As we kind of did mention it, but it, just like, we haven't label dived it as in. Yeah. education. But no, I agree. I feel like education is a big part of it. And yeah. when they can kind of go hand in hand, like the femur with the balance, like a lot of the strengthening you're doing can also assist in their balance. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, too, is because she was a femur fracture, we get to work on a lot of gait because of the fact that she uses it as an assistive device, too. And so we do get to work on gait. So we do work on things like her foot placement and her steps and um, her stride and her arm movement. Like those are all things we get to work on because of the fact that it is a lower extremity and it definitely goes hand in hand with the Parkinson and Parkinson is tough because there's nothing that really is going to stop Parkinson's from fully progression progressing. We can slow kind of the results down or we can better it for a while, but like over time, unfortunately Parkinson's, it usually gets worse. Let me put it that way. Usually. So like having that expectations to set for the patient of like, Hey, yeah, you got that. You're doing a bunch of rehab, but at the same time, we're going to try to get you as best as we can, but they're not going to ever get to probably a hundred percent because they've got this underlying disease that is also playing a factor in it. Um, so that's kind of one of the big things like with her, like a lot of education and how you can kind of work around working on both when they have one main thing that they came in for. Now, the other one I mentioned it's this one, this one kind of irks me and this is why I'm putting it out there. Um, because it really bothers me that we have a patient that we think would be a primary candidate for a neurocenter. And I understand that they're limited on how many they can take in, but they legit won't take him because of the fact that his script says it's due to an ortho reason that he's coming to physical therapy. Um, he so has the, the, neuro, the neuro clinic doesn't do any ortho whatsoever? No, they only take on neuro, neuro uh, referrals. So like post-stroke. Yeah, but this guy's a post-stroke years ago, cancer, 
Um, had lumbar issue, had lumbar surgery. He's going through again. I guess I just found out he's doing chemo again. They're doing chemo what again. If, what if the roles were reversed? So if they did get, if that patient got sent to a neuro clinic, would they address the back in any way? Um, it probably wouldn't be primary at our clinic at least. So that's the big thing is so like we think he's pri- he he so he's wheelchair bound right now. Um, his wife has literally they bought a Hoyer lift they bought themselves everything. Um, no one's even walked them through what they can get and what they can't get through insurance. All is it's been absolutely actually insane how little they were educated, which hurts my soul so much. Um, but we don't have balance bars. We don't have a standing table. We don't have a, a lift. We don't have, we just got a walker in. Um, so we're really limited. We're, we are very ortho and we're very like independent ortho patients in a way. And so like, we'll do our best on what we can give, but we know he can get better care by going to a clinic that is more set up with neuro um equipment just in general because of the fact that he's gonna need that and cognitively he's not all there too um like the other day I asked him about his son and he told me that he lived in state and his wife's like no he's visiting from you know overseas he's in the army he's this age and he had no idea um so there's a lot of cognitive stuff going on too and then just generalized weakness from everything that's happened to and again neuro stuff going on too like so there's a lot and we're doing our best to give what we can but most of our time is spent you know doing stuff standing because we can't even address his back because we can't get him out of the chair because he when he first came in he wasn't even strong enough to like do like well we could kind of do it, but I don't think my PTs feel very comfortable because again, she comes from more, she did all ortho stuff. Um, and so like he really couldn't even grasp the concept of like a stand pivot transfer. Um, when they get him in and out of the bed at home, it's all via Hoyer. Um, we're getting him standing now. I think he could do pivot transfer, whether or not he could support himself uh, on his own is a whole nother question. He fatigues so quickly. He's a one-on-one patient. So there's a lot going on. And it's almost like in order for us to even address the back, which we haven't even really gotten to do. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to ask. Like a lot yeah. of it sounds like it's almost like stroke related and not entirely mm-hmm. back related, but it's, you have to overcome that hurdle first before you can even start working on the back, which yeah. I can see your pickle. Yeah. And so like, it's tough. Um, and that's the hard part is because of the fact that we're like, okay, we think he would be better in a different clinic, but we can't even get him in that clinic. And we've, we've talked to the patient about it because we first wanted to get their five because they are within walking distance. And that's why it's really great. Um, because you know, it's easy for them to get there. The wife literally pushes him to, his appointments but now they've got medical transfer and we really think it would be more beneficial for him to get a little bit more one-on-one care and a little more neuro because again we can't even address the ortho issue 
because of that. And it's, so it's like, it's tough. Um, luckily, like a lot of the stuff that he's doing, technically we can say is towards addressing the back, like, you know, core stability and standing and that kind of stuff. Um, core strengthening. So like we can do that, but do I feel like it's the best outcome for him? No. And so it's just, it's hard. It's, it's hard when you see those different, like things pop up because, um, you want to do more, but like your, your hands are a little tied on what you can do because of what they're in for. Um, some insurances, you can work around it. Cash pay. Great. No problem. You don't got to worry about insurance or anything like that. So you're good to go. Um, what about like getting a referral for like the new treatment? So like, I know we've done that in the past before where they come in for neck pain and they start complaining about back pain and they want us to address it, but it's like, okay, hold on. We can't because your referral just says neck. So one option is to reach out to the, the doctor and be like, Hey, patient wants to be seen for a low back pain. Are we okay to treat? Um, at that point it's yeah. At that point it's up to the doctor's discretion some MDs want to see the patient for that part first before they approve it. Some others, maybe they're just more familiar with the patient. They're like, oh, yeah, they did mention that. Yeah, go ahead and treat. Yeah. Um, so that comes with its own hurdles and hoops that you have to jump through. So you're, you said you're working on yours to see if mm-hmm. you can you can keep. Well, if you do receive the, the referral for neuro, are you going to send them over to the other clinic or are you going to? That's the goal. goal. Okay, so you're just trying to get the referral so you can transfer him to the other place. Yeah, we're trying. We talked to them. We reached out. My PT reached out. She's done really. And we're doing, I feel like, our very good due diligence on our end for advocating for our patient. Um, And, you know, of course, we're giving him the best treatment we possibly can give with what we've got. Um, But it it definitely is just, it's kind of sucks the way just like the system is set up. That because of the fact that he doesn't have a neuro script, we can't get him into the proper facility. Um, and so that's one of those tough things because it's just like anybody meets him, goes over it with him. And we're, we're like, there's literally, th- we also had another PT who had came and um, she covered for a day and she was like, why is he here? Why is he not in the neuro clinic? And I was like, good question. And so like, when I talked to my PT after they were trying to get him in, uh, she's like, I don't get why this is such a hassle. You literally have three professionals out here saying he needs this. Yeah. And we can't get him there. And so it's just kind of like, it's that's, that's where it gets definitely frustrating when you've got different body parts going on and there's different things that need to be addressed. And um, what you might see as important sometimes doctors might not see as important or sometimes other um pts might not see as important and so it's just like it is a battle when you've got core mobilities of like what really can you address and it's just something to keep in mind um again like i've got a total knee patient right now who's doing great but she's limited not by the knee she had surgery on it's by the knee she needs surgery on and so you see that a lot too of like you can only progress sometimes so far just because of the fact of what is internally but externally affecting it. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. I mean, I, I was also there when I had um, I had one patient where she was there for left knee pain, I want to say. This was a while ago. But 
we were trying to strengthen the left knee, but she had so much pain in the right knee that we couldn't do anything standing because of mm-hmm. how much the right knee hurt, but she was only there for her left. And then we couldn't get the approval for the right. So it's like, okay, well, let's just do long arc quads and like maybe hamstring curls, like ISOs or something. Like it, it became difficult because it's like we couldn't do lateral steps. We couldn't do mini squats. Like yeah, we became so limited because of another issue that it just made it. You really have to just get creative, think outside the box mm-hmm. and go from there. Yeah, we had kind of the same thing where, um, but ours was surgical. We had a patient have surgery on his hip and then surgery on his shoulder and his hip was doing so well. His hip was recovering so well, but we wanted to get him back to jogging and running, but we had to hold off on some of more of those high intensity ones because of the fact that his shoulder was so so fresh. Like I think his shoulder was two weeks out and we're like, yeah, we'd love to get you doing this, but we're not doing that right now because we're not impacting in that area. And then same with some of our balance activities. We wanted to increase his balance activities, but we're like the risk of if you had to catch yourself and you naturally went to go use that shoulder, we're not putting you in that position. So it's like weird things like that, that you're like, yeah, that sounds great. But so you have to just then kind of like think around the box a little bit sometimes of what you can and cannot do. Um, and then I always tell patients like for that, for example, the knee one, my rule of thumb is always if it hurts, don't do it. There's a good kind of pain like a workout and there's a bad kind of pain where you're like, oh, my gosh, when is this going to stop? And that's the one we don't want. Um, but, uh, you know, if patients ask about like their other knees. I'm like, well. You know, I kind of say it nice and broad. And I'm like, in my opinion, these exercises work really well for both of those. <laughs> I'm like, you could always even them out and do them on the same side, <laughs> in my <Yeah>. opinion. <laughs> some And some patients like to keep it even. Yeah. And I had a patient ask me about like, uh, I forgot what the other day. It was something about like, oh, his shoulder was tight or his neck was tight or something like this. And I go, in my opinion, you know, you could do these. <laughs> Like, I, I was like, but that's an opinion. Like, I know that's nothing stuff that could help you. Yeah. And like, he's a younger guy. And like, it was honestly, it was basic. Like, I, I gave him basic stretches of like upper trap and levator. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> this isn't going to hurt anybody. And I always, you know, refer them back if they need to, too. But you could just like his was just, oh, I slept on it a little bit wrong. And it's tight feeling. And I'm like, you don't need a referral for that type thing. Cause we're not really going to sit there and address it. But um, one of the things I did want to bring up real quick before we wrap up is if you have someone with multiple body parts and you or multiple conditions and you're treating them for multiple things. Um, my PT, I really enjoyed doing this lately and I've kind of cute took it from her lately cause she was doing it and I noticed it. They walk in and she goes, what do you want to work on today? What what's something you want to focus on today? And even those who maybe even have just one, you can apply this kind of to everybody. And then it feels like the patients get a real good say on how their treatment's going to go. So, for example, also along with that femur, that patient has uh, neck issues too. And so last time she came in, she told our PT, I really want to work on my walking. 
And so she's like, okay. So when she came in with me, I was like, what do you want to focus on today? And she goes, my neck's really hurting. Can we focus more on my neck today? And so we focus more on the neck and we got a little bit of everything in. Like I'm still dictating how her treatment goes, but you know, she gets to really have a say on what's, how her treatment for that day is going to kind of affect her. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. Um, I'm just going to quickly play devil's advocate on that point mm-hmm. just because it's happened to me multiple times where I do just that. Like if they are multiple body parts, I go in and I'm like, okay, well what's bothering you today? Like, what do you want to focus on? And it just, some, not all the time. There's been just a couple. Oh yeah. There's, I know where it backfires. Yes. And they're like, well, I don't know. Like, what do you think I should work on? And I'm like, what, what? Like, well, what's bothering you? Like more the neck or the knee? Like, how are you feeling? Like, what have you been doing the past couple of days? Like, how did you sleep? Like, did you wake up with a stiff neck? Do you feel like your your knee is tight? Like, what what's going on? Like, I'm like, well, I don't know. So, I think it's definitely most of the time. I think it's effective. Some patients mm-hmm. are like, oh yeah, my my neck, like my back's doing better. Just focus on my neck. Okay, cool, perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. And then there'll be those odd scenarios where the patients just kind of want you to do everything. Yeah, they want you to they decide, just decide everything. Decide what you're doing, decide what you're working on, or they want you to split it down the middle. They just kind of like the age old question, what do you want for dinner? And it's just like, I don't know. Well, yeah, and that's it's the same thing too, is like if you do get that little backfire of like, I don't know. Or like I would say most of the time I hear, I don't know, uh, it's all an issue. It's like, okay, well, let's divvy up our forces and we'll kind of do a roundabout treatment. Or, you know, last time we really, I see that we really focused on the knee. Let's go ahead and focus on the neck a little bit more today. Um, And if the knee's bothering you, maybe towards the end, we can add a little bit more. So like you can kind of definitely gear them, but it definitely at least shows them that you're trying to give them that opportunity, give them that opportunity and that you, you're trying to get them invested into their rehab too. Um, honestly, the I will say the most often people I kind of get those comments from are the ones who are there just because they have to be there. They, they're, there's usually not too much more yeah, like motivating they don't have, them. Yeah, they don't have yeah. that clear indicator of like, oh, it's this. They're just like, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just here because I was told I have to be here from certain things or to get certain things or who knows what but they're not there because they chose to be there it's just they have an incentive after the physical therapy to be there um so that's usually the case but that's kind of it on coral i can see it's tiring yeah i think it's uh i think you're like over three for saying that word i it's it's like okay it took me forever to say pneumonia I can finally say that word now. I used to not be able to say it at all. I'd be like, no, no, no. I don't know how to say pneumonia. So it's like my my tongue twister in a way. I can't, I can't say it. Well, yeah. So just to wrap up, if you haven't listened to the episode with Jess, I would say go check that yeah. out because we did get the inspiration for this episode from our interview with her. So thank you to her again for mm-hmm. kind of chatting with us about the school program. Uh, we do want to say that the program does give you all the tools that you need. We just need to have you apply those critically as well as the patient education and communication to very big aspects for all kinds of treatments, but they do take that step further when you are dealing with comorbidities 
and just multiple aspects going on, whether you want to communicate with your PTs, you want to communicate with the doctors, or you want to communicate with the patients. There's always that one step further that you're going to have to be aware of when it comes to comorbidities. And I will say the one thing, at least in my school, (laughs) that I felt like they did sometimes. Well, at least while I was going, I don't know if this was the same for your class, though, is but like they stress certain things really, really hard about being like a core mobility and you really need to know this and it's really going to affect the patient. And honestly, it's a need to know, but I don't feel like it affects the patient that much. Like, for example, diabetes is, is it's a need to know, but I really don't feel like most of the times it affects the outcomes too dramatically where other things like Parkinson's and, you know, an ortho issue or stroke in an ortho issue, like those ones, you're going to run into having a little bit more of using your critical thinking and outside the box a little bit more. Um, and don't freak out when that happens. Definitely if you're new in the field, it will come and it'll be okay. And you just bounce ideas off each other of like, hey, this isn't working. Do you have another idea? And um, honestly, that will help a lot too. So. That was just kind of my last little bit. All right. Well, with that, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on our socials, IG, um, Twitter, when our episodes go live, as well as our YouTube, which we are still working on. I promise we will get that out there in due time. One day. One day. Well, we got this. We've just been very busy. Um, And don't forget to like, share, do all things because it helps out tremendously. Um, thank mm-hmm. you so much for listening and just for our own congratulations and oh yeah kind of toot our own heart this again is episode 100. 100 well it's our 100 upload because we kind of had that intro it's our 100th it's our 100 upload, upload. which so, i mean when we first started huge. we didn't know how far we'd be going but you it is funny? a big cop jeez man duncan is just on he's one he's going at it so I thought, on a side note, guys, I thought we started in February. We started kind of planning and putting everything together yeah, in February. We didn't start till but March. our first episode did not go live till March. And um, so, like, we're really just at, we just had our first birthday, um, which is kind of crazy that we're it's still going and we're, we're gaining more. And we can't, honestly, we can't thank you guys enough. Um... We, we do this just for fun. Um, we put this out here for our our fields and to grow and hopefully bring people together. And I hope you guys are finding as much joy in it as we have found. Um, and we'll just plan on continue to go along. But if you ever have any questions or you guys want topic ideas or anything like that, again, shoot it over to us on our Instagram. Um, or also we're on the discord, the PTA social discord. Um, so you guys can find us there too. So yeah. All right. Well with that, thank you so much and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Take care.
The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.